0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 210. Are you ready for it It factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become Unstoppable. (laughs) We have learned from so many of our past guests that to be successful, you need to systematize, automate, and leverage data in your restaurant. Well, with QSR Online, it's never been easier. Head over to go.qsronline.com to unstoppable to learn more. Do you want new promotions and free, low-cost marketing strategies to attract new customers? Go to restaurantpromo.net. Today and become unbeatable in your market. Again, that's restaurantpromo.net. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef James Trees. James, please tell me you're feeling unstoppable today.
1: I am totally feeling unstoppable. Yes. It's uh, it's been a very good morning.
0: (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, let's keep this unstoppable feeling going. So uh, Trees is a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America in New York, has worked at Le Bernardin, spent a month at Fat Duck in Britain, and opened five restaurants as corporate sous chef with Michael Mina and eventually became Chef de Cuisine. Uh, he has also worked with Chef Gordon Ramsey at Hell's Kitchen and it was uh, Chef de Cuisine at uh, The Fig. Today, Trees is the executive chef at Superba Food and Breads in Los Angeles and El Segundo, uh, California. And obviously, Chef, this is just a huge aerial view of what you've done and who you are, what you've accomplished. Uh, I can't wait to hear your story and gather your advice. But first, let's get that motivational, inspirational, ball-rolling with a success right. quote or mantra, what do you got for us?
1: Um, you know, the thing I tell my chefs is always the same thing. It's it's always every single day. It's like if you don't have time to do it right, when will you have time to do it again? Ooh. You know, so it's all about taking the time, doing things right, step by step, following directions, and understanding the process of things. That's what like, and that quote comes from John Wooden, who's like you know the ultimate motivator, yeah. and you know the ultimate coach in team sports, and I would, like running a restaurant is basically a team sport, so it's like, What do you, you know, what are you here to accomplish? You know, if you want to do things fast, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to do things right.
0: And the truth is in this industry, you don't get many second chances, especially if you're investing your own money uh, into a project. You you don't really get too many swings at the bat. You've got to do it right. Um, So great way to start this interview off. I love it. And uh, (laughs) let me ask you, Chef, what's your why? What's your purpose? Why do you get out of bed every day to do what you do?
1: You know, uh, you know. Uh, luckily enough, most days when I get out of bed, my first uh, why is uh, because I get to go down to the beach and walk on the beach here in Venice, you know. <laughs> um, for me, it's got to be the life balance has to be there. Mm. Uh, first and foremost, I think all creativity flows through life balance. I don't think you get creative by locking yourself in a box and forcing creative, you know, ideas out of yourself. I think what you do is you... You know, you have time to process and think about, you know, your customer base and everything else when you're outside of the restaurant rather than being inside of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, it's got to be about like waking up in the morning, getting, uh, <laughs> uh, wake up in the morning, getting focused, understanding you know, what my day's goals are, you know, whether it's like I'm working on, you know, uh, breakfast uh, items this morning, like that means I'm up at 5 a.m. to be in the restaurant to work on things, or if it means that uh, I'm changing the dinner menu at El Segundo and that's happening, you know, four days down the road. What am I prepping now? What am I getting things ready? What am I teaching my sous chefs? What am I working on my executive with my executive chefs, Cazudo and uh, Jeffrey? What are we doing, you know, as a team to build
0: this, Mm, awesome stuff, <laughs> so much Fun. there, but so no, it's it's all great uh, stuff. And I'm just curious, tell me about the path you took, Chef Trees, to get to where you are today. Because it looks like you spent a lot of time just uh, l- getting that experience and building up to the executive chef position. And you've worked under some great people, so take us through, uh, you know, the the journey you went on, and maybe some of the intentional moves you made to get to where you are today.
1: Right, I mean, like, um, you know, I graduated from school September 7th, 2001. I was supposed to go work uh, for Danielle Balloon mm-hmm. uh, right out of uh, school. But even before I went to school, I was working on this. I started cooking when I was 14 years old. I went oh, wow. to, um, and I had like a high school internship program. And like, the thing I knew about that is that this was before even Bellagio opened. This is like 1994, right? So, mm-hmm. um, So basically it was like, the place you wanted to end up working was the Mirage. Yeah. Right. And I knew that I wanted to cook like from like the time I like walked in and saw that like, it was basically, you know, cooking is art, history, and science Mm. just mixed in two together. Mm -hmm. And so they're every single thing that I really loved in school. And I was like, okay, this is something I can really dig. And then I started cooking. I was like, and it's all delicious too. Awesome. (laughs) So, so basically what I did is I started working towards this internship, and uh, I got the internship at the Mirage, uh, working under Chef Freddy Roger, uh, and then Chef Freddy got uh, promoted to the second sous-chef of the Mirage when Blasje opened, and I had the great and amazing fortunate opportunity of working uh, for Luke Palladino, and Luke Palladino was like, like this guy was, you know, he was 34 years old, had just gotten kicked out of uh, Venice, Italy, for uh, winning a Best Chef in in uh, in Venice, and then they found out he was an American without a passport. I mean, <laughs> this guy was a bamp, like 100 percent badass. Yeah. Right. So I worked. I got to work with him, and like my first job with him was I swept, uh, peeled garlic, did onions, cleaned, put away orders, you know, grated cheese, like. I, I think the most important thing that I did in my career was start with a solid foundation of understanding the importance of the mechanics of a restaurant
2: mm.
1: you know like i, I didn 't get come in with the idea that I wanted to be a line cook and I wanted to create great food and do all that. I came in with the idea that I want to work for this guy, this guy is inspirational and motivational every day, so like what I want to do to my teams now is I want to take these young kids that we get in you know, who most of them are high school dropouts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, you know, you can get here. This is where I was. This is how you're gonna get here. You're gonna get here by learning these set these skills. Yeah. You know, so
2: no absolutely so I,
1: yeah, so I did that. I went to school and then instead of uh working for uh Danielle Blue, I you know, I moved out and uh ended up coming back to the West Coast and uh their repair was opening a restaurant in Palm Springs. It was just like this one-off thing. And the chef I got to work with there was like Chris and uh, Jasper, and they were awesome. And, like, I got to spend some time in New York, and that was fantastic. But, like, I was so broke, my mom had to buy my plane ticket back to the West Coast <laughs> because I couldn't, I, like, I couldn't afford my rent anymore. I was working for $80 a day, oh, you know, cleaning fish and, you know. And so and this was after I spent, you know, $60,000 on school. And I was like, okay, all right, I understand this. This is what you have to do. These are the things you have to go through to get to where you want to be. And then I started working for Michael Mina. And, uh, like, when I worked for Michael Mina, it was at Restaurant Aqua in Vegas in the Bellagio. And that was in, you know, 2002. You know, 2002 was just, like, when it was the best hotel in the world. You know, Chef yeah. Grant was the uh, was the executive chef of the hotel. And I was actually the last. I told him I wanted to get out of Aqua and go see something else because, I saw so much other th- so many other things happening in this hotel that I was just curious about it. And he's like, well, you know, we do have a, a sous chef position uh, for you uh, in, in in the hotel. And I was like, okay, he's like, you have to do your tasting. And so like, that was my first tasting I ever did. It was for Chef Grant McPherson. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So talk about like unnerving like that I have That's like an progress moment progress right there. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's like you got to, you know, and when you're dealing with chefs of that caliber, they don't spare your feelings. Like working with Chef Marco Russo at Aqua, he doesn't spare your feelings. You know, there's no. Group you know, when that you way. work with Michael Mina, no, no, not only that, but like it's all about. It's like this is what you did. This is how you can make it better. And this is what I want you to do, mm-hmm. right? And so I went through. I did my tasting, and they just hammered me. Oof. And they're like, "Congratulations, you got the job." <laughs> and I was like. I was like, I was like, literally, I was like, I didn't know if I was going to cry or if I was going to, like, you know, cheer because he like, just got done ripping me apart for like an hour and a half, and like every single thing that I was doing, and I mean, it, it was amazing, but at the same time, like, he's like, "You got it. All you have to do is keep working on, it, keep working on it." So like, I've had amazing motivators all the way through my uh, through my career, you know. Well, oh, I, 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 uh,
0: so, I just need but, to make an example of you because I feel like so many people they think they're going to go to CIA. Come out and be an executive chef, you know, straight out of the gates. Like, you got the, the formal education, and then you spent another 15 years um, getting that experience, yeah. surrounding yourself like Pelladino and uh, Michael Mina, or uh, yeah. Mina and uh, Michael
1: Mina, your uh, and parent. Yeah. I worked with some of the best Ramsey, I worked, yeah. You know, Yeah, I mean, like, and that's the thing. Like, so so I worked on my way up from basically like fish cleaner mm. to uh, chef's cuisine and Michael Mina's company. And the way I did that was just like literally. Uh, listening, focusing, and making sure that I was on top of every single thing that he gave me or no. everything that Anthony gave me. I had an amazing mentor, amazing mentors, and Anthony Karen and Stephen Pratt. I mean, like yeah. Anthony Karen uh, created 800 Degrees Pizza, you know. Uh, but before that, people don't know. He was the corporate chef for Michael Mina for 10 years. He wow. built that company from two restaurants to 17. So, I mean, like what you see is you see these amazing people. And I was lucky enough to be a part of that team going and opening restaurants and growing that company. And I learned amazing things. And, you know, the things that you learn is you learn the systems aspects of opening a restaurant. And, you know, for anyone, especially, I know these listeners are like thinking about opening a restaurant. This is what they're talking about doing your systems day one. Are the systems you're going to have at year five?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like you have to understand if you go in with a bad system financially, if you go in with a bad system as far as like creative process for your food and everything else, like you're not going to get better.
2: Mm.
1: Right? So, so it's like the guys who, it's like you come in, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be so creative. I want to do this, 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 and this. I'm like, great. Like, but if you don't know how to cost items, if you don't know how to procure produce properly, if you don't know how to work with vendors, if you don't know how, to uh, make sure that your, you know, your accounts payable or up to date and everything else, then why are you doing this? You know, like, so for me, it's like, the great thing is 15 years in after, like, I've been doing this now for 20 years, you know, it's like, it's nothing has to do with ego. Like, it's all about the customer. It's all about the business. It's all about making sure my employees get paid on time. You know, every once in a while, I'll get to go do a fun event and I'll get to cook some food and hang out with my friends. And that's great. But for the most part, it's about taking care of your family and the restaurant and building a team and making sure that uh, your, you know, your numbers are in line and also making sure that you have time for yourself as a human being. Because if you go in and work 18 hours a day, you're going to be doing that for you know one year, two years, three yeah. years four you know, years, and, and then you're s- done.
0: so happy you're touching on all these things, Chef, because that's exactly why – Restaurant Unstoppable exists is to uncover all these yeah. extra things that you really need to know and understand to be successful in this industry. And I really feel like we're gonna dive into all these things. Just one more point I want to point out about your story cool. before we move on is just that you didn't go choose to work for anybody. You chose to surround yourself yeah. with the best in the industry. Um, and you have to do that. No matter what it takes, surround yourself with those people right. because you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And uh, I mean, yeah. you're just a shining example of what can happen if you take your time. Uh, you start you surround yourself with the right people and you learn what matters uh so unless there's anything else yeah. you want to point out before we move on to the next question uh, i'm ready if you um
1: I, I mean i would say like you know also like i think it's really important that you get into a situation where you are surrounded by the best mm. i would say like you know Le Bernardin's an amazing kitchen you know um the fat duck is an amazing kitchen uh the most creative most thoughtful kitchen I've ever worked in was when I worked at Bradley Ogden uh, in 2003. You know, you you have chefs in that in that restaurant that are industry leaders today. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Adam so- Sobel, Sven Mead, who is working with um, Jeffrey Morrow. I mean, like, these are, like, chefs that, you know, uh, that were just absolutely fantastic in their time, but they were young and naive, and we learned that creativity flows through product, and Bradley just beat us every day and just made sure that we were like always pushing and always being creative. And at the same time, always thinking about how we're going to, you know, use product, how, what to use in season. I got to uh, work with Carrie Clasby and with um, California Family Farms for the first time. I mean, like every single day we would get these boxes in from the farmer's market and it would just blow your mind. You would see something in that box that you've never seen before <laughs> or never tasted before. That's and awesome. I, at that time was like the most creative time in my life. Like you learn the processes and you learn, you know, how to take different ingredients you've never seen and apply technique to them. And that's basically the way that, you know, that's where you go from being a cook to being a chef
0: mm. Awesome stuff, chef. Really, really awesome stuff. I'm pumped up Mm -hmm. right now, man. You got me like, (laughs) you got me like ready to run right now. I want to go for like a a run or something. I don't know. You got me pumped. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) I got to ask you, chef, what are your if factors? If you could just narrow it down to like a handful of habits, characteristics, traits you possess that you think most contribute to your success, what would they be?
1: Um, I'm always early, right? Like that's something that no matter what, like, you know, if you're, if you're early you're on time. If you're on time you're late. If you're late, why are you showing up? Mm. Right. That is a huge, huge factor with me. It's something that especially this generation of young cooks like they think it's okay to be five minutes late. They think it's okay to be unprepared. They think it's like I will tell people this time and time again. I'll, I'll give you a stash. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you want if you like you you know if you were working at you know a Denny's or whatever or if you were working at you know McDonald's, if you show up on time and then the guy with five years experience shows up five minutes late you're getting the job mm-hmm. that's the end of the story right like so for me, timeliness, hard work, thoughtfulness, respect, right, and also like understanding like for me like my dishwashers are. Those are my golden boys. Okay. All, like, all my line cooks at night are all, they all used to be dishwashers. They're all brought up from that. We don't hire from the outside. We don't hire sous chefs. We don't do that. The reason why we don't do that is because people come in, they think they know a system. Mm. We teach people a system from the ground up every single day. And it starts with understanding hey, you know, if you disrespect the dishwasher, you know, you can't ever be a line cook.
2: Mm.
1: Right. So, back so when you. Yeah, I mean that, and because that's the way I was taught. Yeah. Like when I, you know, I remember I was working for Luke you I was, you know, sixteen years old. And guess what? I dropped something in the dish pit and splashed the the dishwasher with water. The chef saw it. He made me wash dishes for two weeks. That was it. That was the end of those two weeks for me. Wow, man. Right? And I never did it again.
0: I bet not. And, like, (laughs) one thing I just want to point out, like, in this industry, you're constantly, like, every little moment of your life, you're you're on, like, an interview. You got to treat it that way because you never know who's watching. You never know where the next opportunity is going to be. If you rub somebody the wrong way at the wrong time, it might be the difference between taking that next step in your career or staying behind a little bit longer. Awesome stuff. So just the notes I wrote down is you're always on time. You're prompt. Uh, you're thoughtful, you, you're always about respect, and you hire from the ground right. up. And I, I'm feeling kind of silly right now because I waited three minutes after I was supposed to call you because I figured I'd give you a little more time because I know you just had company. And now I feel silly because <laughs> I called three minutes late. Don't don't judge yeah. me, Chef.
1: <laughs> uh, the reason why I put – yeah, know honestly, the reason why I pushed it 20 minutes back was because I had to show the uh, – the chef's, the garden, and the uh, the commissary, and I apologize for having to do that. No, but, you know it's okay. Like, it I don't like, mind at
0: all. <laughs> I was ready to call you on teachers, the hour. Yeah,
1: yeah when, when four when four of your teachers uh, from CIA show up out of the blue, you make time. they're all you know, yeah, you make time. <laughs> yeah, he, Like it's like uh, I'm sorry, I gotta make a phone call real quick.
0: No, right? so, I'm just saying if, if I had known uh, that you were so uh, about being right on time, I would have called you one o'clock on the spot. So or, it's all good. <laughs> all it's right, all
1: good. Well, you're, you're not interviewing for a position with me. So you're all good.
0: <laughs> so the next question I have for you is on the topic of failures. We learn so much about you know, our successes, uh, but yes. we learn the most from our failures. So tell me about a time yeah. you just failed hard and then like what you learned from that failure and how you got back up.
1: I mean, I think like (laughs) I feel. I I like to say that like I'm people. In fact, my director Bob David in fact likes to say, you know, I'm usually right twice a day. Mm -hmm. You know, like I will be wrong because every single time you're wrong, you learn something. Mm -hmm. And every single time, like you get something like completely messed up, and you just tank it, you can you can you grow from that. So I mean, I have had massive failings all the way through almost every single, you know, every single time that I left a job was because I failed and couldn't make up for it Mm. because I just, I couldn't face my chef every day. I was, Oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy, you know? And I take all this stuff very, very personally. So, you know, like when you put your whole entire life into a career and you put your whole entire life and passion into something and you fail constantly, like you have, you know, I think the one thing that failure does is it prepares you for success.
0: Mm, absolutely. Like,
1: you know, like you have to be, you have to understand, you know, how to fail every single day.
0: Chef, um, can, can you get specific though? Can you bring us through one specific failure and bring us through what happened, what you did wrong, how you felt? Like, I really want to be like, I'm standing there next to you going through this experience.
1: Okay. All right. So as far as my failures, oh, let's pick one. <laughs> um <laughs> I was working with, uh, with Bradley Ogden and, um uh, my biggest failure was like, I had to cook Thanksgiving dinner with Bradley Ogden and Brad, at restaurant Bradley Ogden to Tudor's palace. Okay. And, and I was rushing. I was pushing super, super hard. I was on point. I had a lot of stuff going on and Brad came back and he's, I love Brad. Chef Mm -hmm. chef Bradley is amazing, and he is insane, (laughs) like 100% insane in the kitchen. Like, he is, like, always on top. He's always directing you. He's, like, an amazing conductor, and he's just, like, pushing you and trying to get the most out of you. And I remember I uh, was spinning uh, all the giblets that we were making gravy out of, right, and I was spinning them, and I put a wooden spoon into a prep. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he, he, like, literally said, what are you doing? And I, like, looked at him, and I put the wooden spoon into the VitaPrep, and the spoon <laughs> exploded oh, in the Vita prep. And so not only did it explode, it actually blew the glass and hot giblets all over. Like, oh. it went through the plastic and then through the wall like a shotgun and oh, just, man. like, sprayed all the way across the kitchen. And I just looked down on like, my chef. And he was like, he once again, great chef, did not spare my feelings at all. Just <laughs> laced me. Just could I could not have failed harder. I just like literally ruined Thanksgiving dinner for Bradley Ogden. Oh, like man. this is the man, this is the man who who does Thanksgiving at a higher level than any human being I've ever met. Right. He takes it extremely serious. And so every single time a dish came up, like every time we were doing this dish, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll take uh, one turkey plate with shitty gravy. <laughs>
2: just, like <laughs> just,
1: Like that for like six hours and the entire kitchen staff, all these people who I have amazing, massive, massive respect for, just
0: laughed at me. Oh, man. Just, I just (laughs) yeah,
1: unceremoniously just laughed at me. You
0: learn lessons the hard way in this industry, for sure. Um, Yeah, you definitely do. if you could just take away, like you said, every failure comes with a lesson learned. What was your biggest lesson in this failure, Chef?
1: Oh, by far. I mean, like, it doesn't matter the pressure. It doesn't matter, you know, the name on the door. It doesn't matter... About any of that. All it matters is that you're doing things right. If Mm -hmm. I had taken 15 seconds and gotten the correct piece for the for the Mm Vitacraft, you know, the little plunger, if I had done that, you know, I get dealt with that 15 seconds instead of the next eight hours of my life just being miserable.
0: Yeah, but you know, at least you got the story from it. At least you got this lesson learned. You wouldn't know what you know now without that lesson. Maybe you would have learned it another way, but (laughs) yeah. uh, Awesome stuff. I mean, you've crushed the first half of this interview. We are already all better listening to you and your stories and your advice. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. You need a glass of water of or anything? Systematizing and managing your restaurant can be difficult. Between service providers, software, and people you employ, you can find yourself and these processes spread all over the place. What if you could bring all these systems and processes to one place where you could easily manage and automate it all? Well, now you can with QSR Online. For over a decade now, QSR Online has been helping restaurants minimize their costs and gain time back in their lives. To learn more, head over to go.qsronline.com unstoppable. Looking to increase sales in your restaurant? There's only three ways to make that happen. Attract new customers, increase check averages, and increase the frequency your customers visit. Restaurantpromo.net gives you free case studies, strategies, and how-to guides to do all of the above. Restaurantpromo.net is your go-to place to get ahead in business and in life. Again, that's Restaurantpromo.net. Get on it. So we're back. The first question I have for you, Chef, is what advice do you have for getting that initial capital or getting the funding to start a restaurant?
1: Um, The most important thing you have to have is you have to have something that's craveable. Your item that you want to sell doesn't matter if you're doing uh, a breakfast, lunch, dinner, restaurant. It doesn't matter what. Like, most important thing that you have to do is you have to have an item that's craveable that people want to come back for. Mm. That is it. That is the most important thing. Like, um, I can look at all my friends who have uh, created empires, you know, Mm -hmm. created amazing, like, restaurants and concepts. And then the most important thing every single one of them has done has had one thing on their menu that people absolutely have to come back for.
0: Chef, give us an example of one of these uh, people that had just created something craveable on their menu.
1: The Margarita Pizza, 800 Degrees by Anthony Karen. Mm. It is a perfect uh, VPN, Napolitano-style pizza, and it is craveable. Like, the dough is soft and pillowy. The cheese is hand-torn, the sauce isn't cooked. You know, it's cooked in 900-degree oven. It's finished with amazing, like, sea salt, um, you know, fresh basil. Like, that one little item, that Margarita Pizza, brings people back to that restaurant time and time and time and time again. Yeah. And because he was able to do it and be as smart as he is, because Anthony's probably the smartest human being I've ever met, he can do it at six dollars and twenty five cents, wow. where everyone else does it at you know twelve or thirteen dollars.
0: Yeah, and right? you know the one thing that keeps on coming to my head listening to you talk about creating something craveable is just having uh, a unique selling proposition, something that uh, separates you from everybody else around you. That people, when they think of whatever this thing is, whether it be a, a burger or a pizza or whatever it is they think we got to go to this place because they do it best. Like that right. unique selling proposition
1: um, absolutely is huge.
0: Is there any other advice you have on this topic?
1: Um, I mean, like as far as getting funding, I mean, understanding your numbers, understanding the forma, And then also the other thing is like, don't take the easy money. There's always people out there with money who are going to like, want to like, if you have something that people want, they're going to want to buy into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other thing is like you have to understand that getting a deal has to be on your terms, and you have to pay yourself right mm-hmm. because if you put your entire life work life's work into this you know into this product into this restaurant and you don 't remember to pay yourself then you fail at everything
0: yeah you know
1: because, I- because then you 're working for free you 're working for someone else, the whole entire idea of entrepreneurship and about um about restaurants is that you're working for yourself
0: yeah I've, I've seen it happen before when you know like you say like don't take the easy money don't take that low hanging fruit um because yeah. you know we're so hungry we have these dreams we're ambitious people and we just want to start we want to pull the trigger and go and it can be so easy to fall into that temptation where somebody's offering you money but then if it's not under your terms I mean the whole point of doing what we do for that freedom to express yourself is lost and you're if you don't feel fulfilled with the work you're doing I mean you're not going to we don't do this work for you money you won't do it, we do no, it no, because no, you won't do it exactly you won't be able to do it you'll yeah. get sucked drained and it's not worth it yeah. um, awesome stuff Great advice. So the next question I have for you, chef is on the topic of people and surrounding yourself with great people and hiring and and retaining. And I know American Gonzo food Corp is just an awesome company when it comes to uh, culture and just investing in people. So what are you guys doing? What makes, you know, what advice do you have for us to be more like American Gonzo food Corp? Uh,
1: Like the most important thing that we do here is we, you know, we respect each other. Like, Respect the people's strengths and then, um, allow people to have weaknesses. Like that's the one difference between here and and like the MENA group. The MENA group, everyone is like this perfect soldier. Like everyone just like goes into battle and just boom. It's like exactly. They all work off the same playbook. I think American Gonzo, because we're doing so many different things. You have to respect that you're not going to know everything Mm in every detail. And you have to understand that like the pastry chef who makes the croissants every day is more skilled at that than you will ever be. Yeah. Right, and you have to be okay with that. And if you're not okay with that, this is the place for
0: you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the word that I'm hearing, uh, you're dancing around it is just humility. And I think that yeah. humility is so important. And it's probably the when I ask my guests, like, what's the one piece of advice if I could, you know, if you could leave us with one piece of advice, they say, stay humble and always learn. And I think you need to have that mentality of I don't have all the answers, and you're always trying to improve. Because once you get to that point where you think you have all the answers, you stop looking to improve. Um,
1: you're right you're right you're 100% right like, but I mean it's also like it's also about being content and failure yeah. like you're gonna have some. like the great thing is we have amazing people around here but like you're gonna put something out there and nine people are gonna tell you what's wrong
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and that's completely okay it's like it's like how as a chef you deal with that you're just like okay mm-hmm. you've taken the notes you change the process and then you move forward
2: mm-hmm. that's it
1: that's all you can do like there's no there's no like you know there's no, like, no, this is exactly what I want. This is the way it has to be. But like when you're working with someone, you know, like Paul, he, the answer's like, no, like, this is what I want. Like, I mean, the, the the greatest thing about working with someone like him is like, he's like, here's what I want. And then you give it to him, he's like, awesome, now do it like this. I'm like, cool, fantastic. Awesome. You know, like, for me, it's like the technical understanding of how to cook things, how to roll things out, how to do things right, how to cost things, how to do everything else. They go into the part of, like, you know, this is the creative vision. How do we get the creative vision to be, you know, across the board all the same?
0: Yeah. And one additional thing about uh, what you're doing with Suburba uh, and the whole culture at the, the the restaurant group uh, is that you, you treat it like an incubator. Uh, he's always yeah. investing in his people. Talk to us about how important it is to think of your restaurant as an incubator.
1: Well, I mean, definitely, like, I mean, like, that's the great thing about, like, having something like Superba is, like, we you know, it's a creative outlet for everybody. Yeah. Now it's creative outlet for everyone. So like every time you get like this wild hair about like, oh well, I'm thinking about why to do this, this is the and they're like, Yeah, that's a concept. That's another restaurant. That's not superb, but that's this. That's mm-hmm. that. You know? And so because of that, like we have, you know, we have Mexican food on the table. We have Chinese food on the table. We have, you know, like there's a, there are other restaurant concepts that are growing out of this company because we get bored cooking the same food. Mm, you know, absolutely. we get bored cooking French food. We get bored cooking Italian food, right? But there's an Italian restaurant somewhere in there. There's a French restaurant somewhere in there. There's a burger restaurant somewhere in there. There's a fried chicken talent shop somewhere in there, right? And so there's all these different things. And what we do is we take something that we make out of Superba and we create that craveable item and then we do different concepts based on those items.
0: Yeah. And give us an example of some of the concepts that, like, have come from just allowing that creativity in your restaurants.
1: Well, I mean, like, we we have a few of them in development. I'm not really supposed to be talking about them. okay, (laughs)
0: okay. I understand. But the point is, (laughs) like, you've got to give the opportunity to your people to express themselves. You never know. Where that next opportunity is, and so much can come um, from just giving your your you know your people the freedom uh, to yeah. ex- to share their opinions, to to try new things, and it, when that passion's there and that talent's there, I mean, as a restaurant tour, I mean that's gold to be able to yeah. you know have somebody with your culture, with the drive, the talent, you know, the skills to, to take it to the next level, and then you just you work with them to bring their passions to. You know to light, and uh, I see that exactly. happening with Paul Hibbler and what he's done and what you've done with, with your team. And it's so so many lessons can be learned from that. So I just wanted to, you know, put that under a magnifying glass. Oh,
2: so
0: <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, so let's talk about uh, some challenges that you are okay. currently, you know, dealing with now. Maybe a challenge you see coming down the barrel that has your interest that you're preparing for.
1: Challenges, uh, challenge started uh, three weeks, what, four weeks ago now. That's a uh, minimum wage, man. Minimum wage will be the death of many, many restaurants. So and how, that's just the way it's going to be.
0: How are you dealing with it? How are you preparing for it? Like, what can we do to protect ourselves and to to be ready for this?
1: Right. I mean, like, it, what we're doing is we have to look at our sales mix and we have to increase prices. Okay. Right? I mean, there's no way. Like, And that's like the thing. Like, it, I understand, like, you know, the, the thing is, like, you look at it when it was $9, and like, all your front the house guys are making $9. Your servers, sure your buses, you know, you know, those guys, um, your counter people are um, all making 9 bucks an hour, mm. but they're all getting tips on top of it. Now your dishwasher is making $9 as well, wow. right? Your porters making $9 as well, right? It seems like, oh yeah, that's a few people. And then you take that and you add a dollar to it, and then you times that by 80, and then you look at your payroll, and it's, you know, $1,800 every two weeks. Eighteen—that's That's $3,000. That's, you know, that's insane. That's like $50,000 a year for a $1 raise. Mm-hmm. Right? And you look at that and you're like, oh my god, that's $50,000 and that didn't come off the, the bottom line. That came off the top line. It's like, wham, gone. Mm. Right? Like, how do you adjust for that? So we had to make you know, some slight, you know, we had to change prices on a couple things. I think um, a lot of people are looking at this, uh, you know, All in gratuity model and looking for that. I just don't think Americans are ready for it yet. Mm -hmm. And every single time someone puts it out there, they get slapped down. Like, and I mean, even if it's 3% for, you know, healthcare, like, you know, uh, Paul's been amazing. He takes care of our our staff like no one I've ever seen. Like, you know, we spend an innate amount of money on, you know, on taxes and benefits and all that stuff and and TNB. And that's like a huge part of it is healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, it's making sure that, you know, we have healthy people and healthy, you know, places to work at. And, you know, people are, you know, taking the time and, you know, we're getting sick. People have sick days. It's like, you know, it's automatic the day you start here. I mean, if you're sick, we don't want you at work. We want you to be taking care of yourself, you know? Yeah. And that is like something that you you don't see in the industry right now. But what's happening is more and more people are understanding that, you know, restaurant workers aren't machines. They're not, you know, we're not donkeys. We have to be able to, you know, uh, have lives and do everything else to go along with that. So my challenge is, is motivating people who are very, very quickly becoming minimum wage employees, mm-hmm. right? Like how do you, you know, your your dishwasher who's making $10 an hour is now – like you couldn't give that guy a dollar raise because yeah. then you're, you know, then your 50,000 becomes 60,000, becomes 70, becomes 80. And like you're just like, you can't run a business that way.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. So, so our challenge is definitely a hundred, like uh, it's not creative. It's not food based. It's not, you know, demographic based. It's not, it's, it's a uh, bottom line. Is it feasible to operate restaurants when the minimum wage is going to be $15 an hour? Average?
0: yeah i mean, right. I, I definitely i hear you um what what are some of the other things you said you raised prices uh you limited mm-hmm. your your mix what else are you doing to uh be more i mean are you doing anything to be more efficient to cut losses into you know really you
1: know i i think the great thing is like remember when I told you, like the you know, the system you start with day one is the yeah. system that you have five years later. Yeah. We started with a really good system. So we are already running efficiently, we're already looking at our numbers, we're already looking at all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So We didn't have to go back and streamline or cut items or do anything like that. What we did is we looked at our PMEX and we saw what people were buying and we saw, you know, where we saw some opportunity to raise price and we raised price. That was it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and I think it's just a great example of what uh, great by choice Jim Collins writes about this and he calls it productive paranoia. And uh, what your restaurant Mm -hmm. group has done is from before the issue was even an issue, you had your systems tight. You had all the things that could happen or you, you prepared for it. So when that did happen, yeah, yeah, you were already yeah. running as fine as possible and, you know, with as little loss as possible. So you were able to stick around when this, you know, this this increase in wage came I'm sure a lot of people right. aren't doing really great right now.
1: No, no. I mean, like, you saw it. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I could name some of my friends who just closed their restaurants uh, a, week after the, uh, a week after the New Year. after mm, wow, the a bummer. You saw, like, my, my friend uh, Chris Taminga, at cadet, it's like, like, yep, there's no more money. Oh, That's man. it. Right? Stop, stop, I mean, like, you have to understand, like, like we all want to open restaurants because they're creative, amazing outlets. But then you realize you're running on these razor thin – and, like, when we talk about, like, if you told someone, I'm going to spend a million dollars or $2 million to open a restaurant or to open any other business, and then you're going to make the best you're going to do is, you know, 5 or 6% to the bottom line in the first year, you know, then you'd be forced. No one would invest yeah. in you. Right. So it has to be a passion project. It has to be something that you won't do. And you have to understand that because like no restaurant makes money their first month. It just doesn't happen. No no restaurant makes money three, four, five months in. Right? Mm. And then like when you actually and when you and the worst part is most people are too uneducated to even understand what they're even looking at when they look at the P and L so they not even realize how broke they're going, how fast. Yeah. Which is even scarier.
0: It is scary stuff, right. man, and you definitely opened our eyes to a lot of things, so uh, thank you for your great advice that question. Cool. Now um, I'm interested in, in uh, your advice on work-life balance because you already put heavy emphasis on this topic right. right from the beginning of the interview. So how do you manage work-life balance? How do you juggle everything and still remain the same? Uh-
1: <laughs> so, so you know, a great thing is that I have a, uh, I have an amazing, amazing team. I think the, I think the most important thing that you do, and this is the thing I tell everyone is, you get the staff that you train. If you train your cooks to just look for meat and plos and not know how to produce it, then guess what? You're going to be the one producing it. Mm-hmm. So it's about teaching my sous how to do that. Once they teach, once they learn how to teach people how to cook, then you can actually breathe, right? Yeah. They have to be able to breathe. I have to be able to breathe. Like, if I couldn't, you know, you know, if I couldn't have a part of the day where I go down to the beach and walk on the beach, I turn into an insane maniac. Mm-hmm. I, don't, like, I don't, like, I don't, like, I don't, like, I mean, I'm very, very, I'm a pretty balanced human being, mm-hmm. but I will tell you this. Like, you get me, like, 15, 16 days without getting to the beach and going for a walk. I mean, like, I basically, like, you know, I go to the beach, I walk, you know, I have coffee with a bunch of old guys who tell me more about life than I'll ever know. (laughs) Right. And then, you know, and basically during my walk, I, you know, do like, I go, it's almost like my meditation time. Like it's just, I don't think about work. If I am thinking about work, it's like the first day I've gone in like 15 days by day two and day three, my mind is clear. I'm focused on like the beach. I care about like all the other things in life. Yeah, absolutely. When I get to that point of it, that's when I can find myself being creative. That's when I can find myself thinking of new things. That's when I can find myself, like when I, when I decompress, I will say that, like, if you, no matter what you do, you absolutely have to have a way to decompress. If you don't have that, you will not be successful or you'll have a heart attack when you're 38 or you'll be like the chef in Switzerland. Who, you know, who got, you know, best restaurant in the world and then killed himself. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, you don't want I mean, want like,
1: you have to understand, like, this is, like, the pressures that we deal with are not like a nine-to-five job. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and on top of it, we are artists. On top of it, we're creative people. So we have to have this outlet. We demand perfection of ourselves and those around us. And all of that together, if you don't have something to take you out of that if you don't have someone to like call you on the bullshit yeah that's that's where that ends up
0: so you know (laughs) the the biggest uh, thing i took from that i mean no one's going to disagree with you that you've got to get away you've got to clear your mind you have to have that that me time to get your thoughts straight and to have that creative opportunity but the biggest lesson i heard is to uh you know train your people and provide them with the tools to be able to do it without you there Um, And that's what it comes down to is having that that team of people that can handle the work, uh, whether you're training them or whether you're providing the systems, processes, procedures, whatever it is, you have to create a a system-dependent business where you don't have to be there all the time. Um, I think that's the biggest lesson from – I had a lot to say, but that's kind of the big nugget I took away from the training people. Yeah,
1: definitely. I can see. Yeah, I mean that is definitely the takeaway. You've got to be able to – you got to be able – and that's the thing, like, I can see – because it also comes down to, like, whether or not your kitchen is going to run properly. If your kitchen is going to run properly, your managers need to manage. Your sous-chefs need to be able to manage. Sous-chefs are not line cooks. They're not prep cooks, right? So the trick is is to teach them to teach people, right? So, like, uh, what we do is we have a standard basic operating procedure for this, Mm -hmm. you know? I create a recipe. I teach with these guys. I work with these guys. We talk about things. We put out a one sheet with all the information. Then we have all the sub-recipes. Then we take all the sub-recipes. What I do is I have my sous chef prep the sub-recipe after I've already done it with them, right? So now they prep it, right? Mm-hmm. They prep it and they cook it. The next time they give the they hand the recipe to the prep cook, they say, prep this. They prep it, and then the sous chef cooks it with the prep cook. The next time, the prep cook uh, preps it, and then the sous chef watches, mm-hmm. right? And awesome. then cooks it all the way through. And then at that point, only after those five different stages, has that prep cook actually learned how to do it?
0: Wow! Right? Yeah. But I mean, and the so fact that you have that that, you, that operation, that procedure there is key, though. So that you make right. sure that it gets to that point where everyone knows how to do it. And I think that's where right. people drop the it, ball. They don't fall through exactly.
1: Well, not only that, not only do they not follow through, but they skip the steps. Mm. They'll just hand a recipe to a prep cook and say, "Hey, make this."
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, man.
1: I mean, like, I'm sorry, but, like, we don't, we don't all speak the same language. We don't all read sentences the same. We don't all understand things the same. Yeah. Like, every single recipe is in grams. Every single recipe is, like, very, very precise. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is, like, you miss one step, you ruin hundreds of dollars worth of product. Yep. Right? Absolutely. So, I mean, just... And the other thing is, like, understanding the methodology behind it is the most important part of that. And that comes from teaching, not from reading, not mm-hmm. from doing
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome stuff. So let me ask you, um, I mean, we already put emphasis on constantly improving on how that's important. Are there any books you would recommend that have had huge impacts on you, whether it was a cookbook or a personal growth book or a business book that, you know, you think is just a must read for anybody getting into this industry? Um, let's
1: see. I, for, well, I think there's different categories, Mm -hmm. uh, for cookbooks, uh, like, I would have to say the Michelle Brock's book was my was an inspirational cookbook, where, like, I saw that for the first time in, like, 2003, and I was blown away. I was just, like, like you could look at that food today and see the influence, and everyone's yeah. cooking on that, you know, and that's, what, 13 years later. Um, Is that the you know, title of the
0: book, Michelle Brock?
1: It's Essential Cuisine by Michelle Brock, yeah. Okay. It's a, a French chef, three Michelin stars, number five in the world. He's a, he's a baller. Awesome. Right? <laughs> All right, so you have that. Um, on the other side of it, you have culinary artistry. Culinary artistry is an amazing book because what it does is it breaks things down by seasons, mm-hmm. it breaks things down by ingredients, it talks about pairing, and it talks about cooking, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really, really, really important to what we do as chefs. Okay, so that's the you know that's more of the technical side um, business book. Uh, I think. Definitely the motivational speaker books are the best ones. I would say that, like, you know, Turn the Ship Around, uh, The Tipping Point, by am up in Gladwell, and then also um, in John Wooden's book, I mean, I, I can't go back to him enough because he's the coach, you know, Wooden, Wooden on, uh, what is it called, Wooden on Coaching or Wooden th- on I, Inspiration.
0: Yeah, I'll have the, the links in the show notes, but I definitely know the book yeah. you I can't think of it right now but it has been mentioned on yeah. the show before. Um, just to summarize... Yeah,
1: it, it should have been.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. some, to summarize, um, the books you recommended is Essential Cuisine, uh, art, or Culinary Artistry, Turning the Ship Around, Tipping Point, and then Coach Wooden's book. And why don't you just give us one lesson from Coach Wooden's book that really just, like, has impacted you?
1: I think, like, the, the, the this goes back to the way we teach people. Um, you know, Coach Wooden would always have people tie their shoes exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. You know? And it wasn't, you know, it was a standard shoe. There was a certain way to tie it, and you always tied it the same way. Mm -hmm. Because if we knew that you were tying your shoes the right way, then we knew you were putting your socks on the right way. You knew you were putting your shorts on the right way. (laughs) So that way, when you were on, like, that way you know you're holding the ball the right way. You knew you were playing your position the right way. So it starts with something as simple as that. Yeah, You know, for us, it's like... It's, it's that's what it is i've it's heard this
0: process i've heard the story about how if you're a freshman uh and you're on the basketball team you get in there and the, like the first lesson of the day is literally everyone gets down and whether you're a senior yep. or junior or whatever you get down and you tie your shoes and the freshmen are like seriously like this is what we're yep. doing right now but it's it's so true it's just the basics that make sure everything down to the basics is being done in your teaching and everything is you know it, it's it's good stuff um So, uh, the next thing we got to talk about, Chef, is just technology. I mean, you said you've been in this industry now for uh, almost 20 years, working from the CIA Mm -hmm. to where we are now. Uh, What have you seen? How has technology influenced the kitchens you've worked in? What what do you see people using right now that you're seeing uh, an increase in productivity or efficiency? Uh, Talk to us about what you're leveraging in your restaurants. Well, I
1: mean, like, we use... uh... We use technology all over the place. What it really comes down to is simplifying uh, cooking processes. Mm-hmm. So, like we use uh, vacuum packing machines, and we use 2D cooking uh, instead of doing traditional braising. We're braising at much lower temperatures to preserve, you know, you know, meats and make things um, more sustainable. Um, we use circulators for our eggs, so we can so like we don't have as much waste with poached eggs. Mm-hmm. You know, like normally, you know, if you're the the thing that you always had to do was you had to price in your eggs and you had to make them all uh, one-tenth more expensive because one out of ten was going in the garbage. Oh,
2: yeah. By
1: by using a circulator, you can get that down to, like, one in a hundred, wow. right? Or maybe two in a hundred. So that's a huge, huge, huge savings for us. Um, also, uh, at the end of the day, like, what I see is I see – uh, young cooks being able to execute food they wouldn't be able to do because of technology.
0: Okay. Give us an right. example.
1: And, um, okay. So, like, one of my favorite pieces of equipment that we have is the Accutemp Plancha. Okay. The Accutemp Plancha is uh, a, it's a layer of steam, and it's a, a pressed steam, and it's, like, compressed, and like, does the heat's up to exact temperatures. We use it to make a pancake. Okay. We also use it to sear scallops it sears scallops perfectly every time mm-hmm. without fail. Like before, like if you had a drop of water on that scallop or if your pan wasn't exactly perfect or something else like what was going on, like you could not get perfect sear on scallops. Mm-hmm. So now it's like every single time they're perfect. Every single time they have the same crunch. Every single time. I mean, that can, that
0: Im- that improves your consistency. That improves your bottom line right. of lack of, you know, no, not as much waste. There's so many benefits to that. Just...
1: That yeah and that's what thing. that's what it comes down to that's the way technology is helping is just eliminate waste eliminate like and also but also at the same time, what you see is you see over ambitious chefs making more complex food because of that, mm. and when they're doing that what what happens is they're using all these you know the other thing is you see you know people are still using a ton of food chemicals right they're using gel and gum and they're using mm. you know um agar agar and they're using which um, is mean, less of them like when I was making foams, this was a long time ago, you would be like, oh, foam sauce, yeah. just had less than a blah, blah blah." Like, no, there was no foam and it was an emulsion and you had to buzz it and you had to understand that it was a sauce first, not some stupid thing that you put on a plate. Mm-hmm. And now we don't even do them because people have just ruined them. No. You know, so now it's like, you know, like some things we've actually gone away from. It's more about like for the, us now, we're going back to a more basics kind of cooking. Mm-hmm. For us, it's about charring things. It's about burning things properly. It's about mm-hmm. understanding, you know, the different kinds of fire that you can create, and oh, having open fire in the kitchen. And there's like entire restaurants that we're building with the idea of open fire. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like so, like that's the thing. Like the more technology gets in, the more. And I mean, maybe it's just because I'm like, have been doing this for so long, the more I don't want to use it. <laughs> I just want to like have a perfectly pieced, uh, cooked scallop, or a perfectly cooked soup, steak, or I want to have like a perfectly, you know, you know, grilled piece of octopus that was cooked properly, yeah. that was poached properly. That isn't rubbery, that isn't crappy. Like, I mean, that's like really what it comes down to is like the simple things done well. Rather than trying to impress someone with your plating skills or all the other things that you can do,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's like, here's something that's perfect. We didn't do a lot to it. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) No, I definitely hear you. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, what's your, can you just like summarize your final thought on technology and how to use it for the right reasons, maybe as opposed to the wrong reasons?
1: I mean, if you can produce the product without the technology, I think you do. Okay. Right? That's what I would say. And, I say, and if and if you're doing it because it's a cool technique, don't do it. Okay. Good right? lesson.
0: <laughs> Got gotcha. you. That's it. Awesome. Yeah. So let me ask you, if you could go back in time uh, to a younger version of yourself, you're just graduating the Culinary Institute of America, and you could give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be?
1: Um, piece of business advice? Uh or just life work, work for work for $85 for as long as you can. And, like, that's, like, literally, and and probably get into a better apartment so I could have afforded the $1,600 a month of rent that I was paying when I was in New York. Uh, the time that I was able to spend in those restaurants with those people working with uh, Chef Andrew Carmelini and working with Chef Repair and working with those guys, I mean, like, I cannot tell you what, uh, what invaluable experience it was. And what did you learn like about yourself like,
0: though? Not just about the industry, but what did you learn about yourself by doing that?
1: You, you know, you learn if you really want to do this or not. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, and, and this is what I, I tell people all the time. I tell my cooks, I tell my sous chefs, I tell every, like all the time. I'm like, if you can do anything else, do that. Mm-hmm. If there's no other possibility, if there's no other way that you're going to be happy, if you're going to be fulfilled without working in restaurants, You should be doing that. You shouldn't be in restaurants. Mm. Restaurants are for people who are willing to give up every other thing in their life for a restaurant. Mm. That's it. Like, we are a very specific breed of animal. Like, we cannot, like, change who we are. Like, I like to tell people all the time, like, nowadays, like, I'm like like, the great white shark. I don't have to change. Mm. I don't have to evolve. Like, I am who I am, and this is, like, the thing. Like, you have to be able to be... That person who's just, like, always available, always putting the restaurant first, always doing that. Or you just are going to burn out, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to be done in a few years. And then you will, especially for these kids coming out of culinary school, I mean, like, dude, like, before you go to culinary school, go wash dishes for a month. Yeah.
0: At a few different places, no. you know, really figure yeah. out what it is that you're doing and why you're getting yeah. into this industry. Awesome advice, yeah. Chef. So if there's mm. one question I could have asked you, Chef, that you think would have added more value to this interview, what would it have been?
1: Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think you do it pretty good. You hit, a, you hit a strong, like, range of topics, so I thought you did a really good job.
0: Thank you so much, Chef. I appreciate that. And uh, we wrap up every episode by having mm-hmm. you call somebody out. So who's one indie restaurant professional? Uh, executive chef, restaurateur, somebody that you just admire in this industry that you think would be a great guest mentor on the show, like you were for us today.
1: Uh, my boy Stephen French is definitely someone you need to talk to. He's the chef at the Church Key in, uh on uh, Sunset Boulevard, and he owns Top Ground Roast Beef with Anthony Karen and Noels. Like he is definitely someone who's very wired into the American culture and uh, and understands food at a very high level. You
0: know, it's Steven- amazing. Fritz, you said.
1: Frets, F-R-E-T-Z, also known as Stephen Fucking Fretz.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Fritz, look out, man! I am coming after you, man! I can't wait to get you on the show, Chef. If, right. you, if you could help me connect with him, that'd be awesome. And uh, be my pleasure. Yeah, let the folks at home know how we can connect with you. If they have any further questions, okay. maybe they want to come work for you at Suburba Food and Bread. Yeah,
1: I mean, absolutely. You're more than welcome to uh, contact me through uh, my james t at superbafb.com if you want to email me um other than that i'll see you on the beach at venice you know i'll be walking stop me and shake my hand on the okay, awesome uh, walking around <laughs> singing 80 <Navy> songs
0: <laughs> i will have those links in the show notes everything a recap of everything we All discussed right. today uh chef thank you so much for joining us there's no questioning you. you are unstoppable
1: oh, thank you very much
0: cheers <laughs> you're welcome All right. <laughs> Another great episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you so, so much, Chef James Trees, man. You were just a great mentor with amazing advice. Uh, just great stuff today that you shared with us. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway for me in this industry is to get that experience everywhere in Possible as you know, just surround yourself with those people who are great. Uh, When you surround yourself with greatness, you become great. Like I said during the interview, you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. So if you're gonna work, if you're gonna get paid, why not go work for the best? Why not you know surround yourself with that greatness? If you're truly passionate for this industry, if you belong in this industry, you will excel. uh, But you'll excel ten times faster under the right tutelage. Uh, So do yourself a favor get that experience uh surround yourself with as as many people in as many places as possible uh great advice there from chef james trees and uh i need your help guys how can you help me simply keep on downloading these episodes keep on listening keep on growing personally share this podcast with as many people as possible uh if you know anybody who's aspiring to be great uh your colleagues classmates if you're in culinary school share this podcast uh, you can also use my links. If you use my links, uh, and there's a service that is recommended and you are interested in using that service in your restaurant, there's a good chance that service is one of my affiliates. Uh, so you just use my links, the books that we recommend, uh, audible. Those, those are all examples of the links that I get an affiliate commission for. Uh, so I'm going to tell you about these things regardless. Uh, and if, if you just, you know. Pick, Thank me through using my links. Clicking on my links. That will just go a long way. Also, and lastly, five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Those go a long way. Those really help justify uh, the social proof and the... uh the, it validates what I'm doing here with this podcast. So if you like the show, tell us what those reviews and give us those five-star reviews. And then lastly, I already said lastly, but whatever. This is the second lastly. Just shoot me shoot me an email, eric at com, And tell me who you want to hear from. I'm always looking for the next guest. And you... Odds are you know somebody, maybe you're working for somebody who would be a great guest, shoot me an email, let me know. I'll get them on the show. Uh, That goes a real long way uh, with helping me out. So, yeah, all that stuff would really help support the show. That's all I have for you today, guys. Thank you again so much for taking the time to listen and to grow personally and to become unstoppable. So until next time, peace out.